Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good Sunday morning. Welcome to Spotlight on Maryland. I'm your host for the next half hour. I'm Liz Drabick. I have a special guest this morning. Her name is Carlisle Hashem, and she is the host of a 15-episode podcast series about Frederick Douglass, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Carlisle, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Liz. How are you? I'm great. I'm really excited to delve into your, your podcast and all the different episodes, but let me start with why Frederick Douglass? Well, Frederick Douglass was born in Talbot County on the eastern shore of Maryland, and uh, Talbot County was celebrating his 200th anniversary of his birth in 2018, and I just so happened to have um, had a television show at the Avalon Theater in Easton, and um, so I would go around and interview people about Talbot County, and it just led me to the um, <laughs> to Dr. Mark Leone and to Terrence Bailey, the first two people I interviewed about Frederick Douglass. That's spectacular. And seeing that you have an eye for Easton and for Talbot County, what drew you there to discover Frederick Douglass? Well, our family had been vacationing during the summers in Talbot County for over 30 years, and then my husband and I bought a, a home in Easton, um, so it was just a you know continuation of the love for the county. And you were born and raised, born and bred in Baltimore, correct? That's right. That's tremendous. So the impact that Frederick Douglass has on the community, and I think of the museum. Um, so what drew you to this podcast project? Well, it's in a way, it's kind of embarrassing because I'm a 66-year-old woman <laughs> giving away my age. Um, but um, high school educated, college educated, and I had never studied about black history in the United States. Um, so it's been an incredible journey for me to learn um, the beginnings of slavery, um, you know, that... I I don't I don't remember it ever really being discussed in my history classes. So um, it's it's been an incredible journey um, learning from a family that it's still there. There are so many relatives in Talbot County of the Bailey family, and and Frederick Douglass' name was Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey until he changed it um, to. Uh, to uh, not ensure necessarily, but to 
keep his freedom, if you will, when he when he fled to the north. So let's kind of before we get into the podcast, let's kind of go over the timeline of Frederick Douglass and why he is so important. So if you could explain to me like I'm five, <laughs> um, you know, who is Frederick Douglass? Uh, well, I'm not I'm not a, an authority on this by any means. Sure. So I, maybe I don't have my dates right or whatever, but um, he was born into slavery in Talbot County, and his father, presumably, they haven't done uh, DNA, but his father was probably white, and uh, his mother black, um, Harriet Bailey. Um, he um, was taken away from his mother by the time he was uh, a young child. Uh, that was the custom that they would separate the mothers from their children um, to then have more children sired for the slavery industry because that's what it was. You had land that was being tilled to produce tobacco, and tobacco is a very difficult crop uh, on people that are farming it as well as people, as well as the land itself. And um, so the Lloyd Tillman family, which is, which was the largest landowner in Talbot County, um, they had Frederick Douglass' family working. They didn't own Frederick Douglass his family, or maybe they didn't own all of it, but they had them employed on their plantation. So until the time he was, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that I won't get into the dates necessarily, but what's really fascinating about Frederick Douglass in so many ways is that he um, wrote about his time in slavery and he wrote three autobiographies. So this is very unusual to have written um, something written that historians can go back and say, oh, this is what life was like um, in that time. And not only that, but this plantation is still in existence in Talbot County. So that's so, I know it's so remarkable that you can, that in fact, Dr. Mark Leone and um, Professor Dale Green, two of the people I interviewed in this podcast series, uh, they have been involved in the work of uncovering history in Talbot County, and it's still being uncovered. You are painting such a rich and incredible picture, and so much that I've sort of taken for granted and and didn't know. So thank you for just for those basics. And we'll probably delve deeper into this because I really want to get into the nuts and the bolts of the podcast. But what an important time for you, considering the landscape and the context of the climate right now in the country, you know, to follow the journey of of a slave and a slave in Maryland. Um, I'm just so blown away by all of that. So let's get into the podcast. You decide to do it, and you have your first guest, who you've mentioned a couple times, Dr. Mark Leone. Who's he? Um, Mark is a anthropology professor at the University of Maryland College Park, and besides teaching on campus in College Park, he has um, done extensive excavations of sites in Annapolis, in historic Annapolis, and that, um, because of his work there, 
uh, and, and that's an interesting point too, that when you have, when you're uncovering history, it then leads, it piques people's interest to want to go to these places to learn about history. And, and so that's what happened in Annapolis. And so that's what's happening in Easton as well. Um, Marcus hired, and in fact, another interesting point here is that the Tillman family, Richard and Beverly Tillman's, well, Richard Tillman's mother um, paid to uncover history on the Y um, house um, property. Uh, I call it a plantation. I don't know if they would necessarily call it a plantation, but they have on that property the oldest existing greenhouse in the United States. So that was one of the places where um, Dr. Leone's team excavated, and it was part of the slave quarters. Um, So you have that rich history, and then you have the rich history of, and and Frederick Douglass writes about this in his first autobiography, um, the greenhouse, and then, and the plantation, and then then you have the rich history of the hill, which is an area in in Easton Town proper uh, that is also uh, well one of the first African American free African American communities in the United States. We think of Treme in New Orleans as being one of the oldest, but that we we have parallel histories in Maryland that date back that far. No, I had no idea. That's fascinating. Yeah, and then they have, uh, Dale Green has, um, because, oh, and we, and we have existing libraries and court records that's also, that are also very unusual. Instead of being flooded out or, or having caught fire, we have existing Maryland archives, um, that show the census, the first census done in 1790. And so they, they have this history, um, written history of the free African-Americans. Evidently, I think um, Bernie Demzok, another gentleman I interviewed, he pointed out that at least 50% of the African-Americans in Talbot County um, in the 1800s were freed. Uh, so they weren't all slaves. That's another, you know, we all think, well, if, if you were African-American, you were uh, you were a slave, and that's not necessarily the case because people were manumitted. They were they were freed by their owners, um, or they earned their freedom from uh, working so many jobs to get free. Um, and so that these narratives are are there, and they're rich and fascinating. This is blowing my mind, also because for me, last year, just filling out the census. You know, to think yeah. that this was done in Easton <laughs> as far back as 1790. There's records of it. This is uncanny. I know. It, just, it gives you the chills, doesn't it? Mm. It really, really does. I want to talk about the guest of your fourth podcast. But before we do that, I am also interested in guest of the second, who was a great nephew of Frederick Douglass. Could you talk to me about Terrence Bailey and what that interview and what that episode of the podcast is like? Um, Terrence brought to life. Frederick Douglass, I mean, he's, Terrence lives in, well, he lives just south of Easton, and he has a podcast series that he has begun um, on YouTube, and 
it just points to we're still uncovering history as we speak. And so um, one of the things that Terrence um, tells in the interview is about the Bailey family and how um, how the name evolved from Bailey, B-A-L-E, uh, of African descent. Then their family is brought to Barbados. And, and oftentimes, and I don't know this history, but oftentimes I think we were called the Middle Passage, where the ships would come, the Middle Passage, to bring um, African Americans up the Chesapeake, but they would stop in Barbados first. And evidently that's where his family stopped. There was one man and three women, um, his, their wives, and they were bought to the Skinner Plantation. And, you know, he, then he points out where the Skinner Plantation is in Talbot County. So you can do, uh, Talbot County has this um, website called uh, fredericksdouglasbirthplace.org, and you can do driving tours and drive by and see where these places exist today. Can you give me that website address again? It's called FrederickDouglasBirthplace.org. And I don't think we've mentioned it, Carlisle. What is the web address to get to your website and one of the ways to get to the podcast? Um, one of the ways is to go to my website, which is Carlisle, like Carlisle, Pennsylvania, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. And then, and then there's an S there, Chesapeake. Dot com. And, and what are have, other ways um, to get the podcast? Um, on Apple and Google and um, gosh, there, there are a number of them, but, but they're the main ones. Sure. So we've done the first and the second, and then I see in the third podcast, you kind of revisit the excavating and the uncovering of the plantations. So who was your guest in the third episode of your podcast? Um, that gentleman was a doctoral candidate. He probably has his PhD now, Tracy Jenkins, um, working with Dr. Mark Leone and um, Professor Dale Green. And Terrence, uh, I'm sorry, not Terrence, but um, Tracy, I sat with him while his students were sifting the ground around us, um, and they were excavating sites on the Hill community, which is, if you go to Easton, you 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 can see where the hill community is, but you don't see it as a hill because most of the eastern shore is flat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, but it was it was called the hill maybe because you it, you did have to walk up from the river, uh, being the Tread Avon, to get to the hill. And at that time, just walking up a, a slight incline would have been a lot if you're having to push bales of hay or whatever cargo is coming in off the ships. Um, but this is where the freed African-American as well as white community lived. In fact, Jim Rouse is from this um, oh. neighborhood. Yeah. And, Remarkable. Um, so I know. And uh, they have done extensive research on just some of the properties that where they've excavated and, and Terrence talks about finding a button that was from an African-American soldier who fought in the Civil War for the North. Um, it has the eagles on it. And 
he, he talks about how, well, and Dr. Mark Leone also talks about this too, how important it was for them as anthropologists to go into the community and say, how do you, this is what we have found. What do you all think about it? What does this mean to you? So they've incorporated the present day with an oral history that goes along with it with what they have found. Um, and um, he, yeah, he talks about the Buffalo Soldiers and um, the the uh, and and just being a soldier and wearing your uniform twenty years after the Civil War. <laughs> this is mind blowing to me on on so many levels. Just the, the expertise with which you know you have now. You know, you're just a wealth of information and I appreciate every drop because I just, I can't picture this happening, you know, just across the Bay Bridge in Easton. And I had no idea there was so much to Frederick Douglass. I'm very curious about the fourth episode of your podcast. You mentioned this guest earlier. Who's he? Um, Bernie Demzuk is, uh, uh, I think he's also a doctor. He um, teaches in Washington, D.C. and he has a house in Caroline County, which is just over the Choptank River from Talbot County. And that's where Frederick Douglass's wife, Anna Murray, was born. And um, so anyhow, I, I went to um, Bernie's house, and Bernie has written the book about the first African-Americans um, who came to Maryland um, and... Uh, it's it's so fascinating because he, he he points out that it wasn't it didn't slavery didn't have to exist it wasn't like preordained that we would have to have slavery yes um, in order to build a country you do need a workforce um, but there were many people that were coming to the United States at that time who were indentured servants. Um, and then the indentured servant market, if you will, of Irish and Scottish and English uh, dried up. And so that that made it a necessity to find more people to do the work. And not that slavery wasn't already in place, but it made it more important, you know, to have a workforce. And then... Then you have what's called codifying laws to make African Americans property, uh, but we didn't have to do that. <laughs> like that's, oh. that's so mind-boggling to think that we did not have to make those laws. Uh, you can't rewrite history, but it's just really a window, uh, many windows to look at to see. You know, what was the necessity for this workforce? What would have been like if we were living in that time and we didn't have running water and, and toilets and um, all the land was uh, was treed and you had to take down those trees in order to farm? And, and, and the mid-Atlantic region, Maryland is just a fabulous, fabulous state. Um, it's it's such a, a prime location, and the Chesapeake Bay is such an incredible body of water. So, but you still needed the you needed you needed um, a workforce, and so Bernie Bernie explains all this. And then you know the the growing of a plantation. Well, evidently, when you were 
the Tillman family, the Lloyd family, if you produced more tobacco, you would get more land and, and you would need more people to farm the land. So it was like a vicious circle. Um, and then what happens there is they sell off, the Tillman family sells off a part of, they, they owned many plantations in Talbot County and they sell off one of them. It's called the Lombardy Plantation to Quakers and Quakers and um, Quakers and Methodists were the primary religious, organized religious groups who began to realize slavery wasn't right. And um, so these two Quaker men create a town called, they, they don't create a town called Unionville, but they create a, um, an area from the Lombardy Plantation that they give the land to Union soldiers, to black men who fought in the war, and then they come back and for a dollar a month, they're allowed to own an acre of land, which was, you know, unheard of. Yeah. Um, and now, and that town is called Unionville, and that town is there today. My jaw is absolutely on the floor. I just can't stop leaning and nodding. <laughs> so, and you're, I, I, and you just know all of this, and you uncovered all of this. I mean, this episode alone, it's funny. I was thinking of asking like the type of question, like, what's your biggest takeaway, you know, from what you learned? But everything you say, Carlisle, <laughs> is a giant. <laughs> Takeaway. Uh, we've got some time left. Uh, we're not going to be able to go piece by piece over the podcast. So your answers are just so remarkable and so thorough. Um, but I want to talk about, did I see Frederick Douglass? It, he went to Ireland for a while. He, why? Yes. What happened? Well, that's, he, that, to me, that's so fascinating. When he, when he escapes to the North um, and Anna follows him, his, well, they're not married yet, but they they leave Baltimore and not not together but separately. A week later, she follows him, and then from New York they go to Massachusetts, and and he begins to get involved with a church in Lynn or in, in Massachusetts. Let's just put it that way. And from there, I think he goes to Nantucket, and Will, uh, William Lloyd Garrison, who was the biggest abolitionist leader in the United States, um, he. Uh, listens to Frederick Douglass talk and says, oh my gosh, you're an incredible orator. I want to hire you to go out and talk about slavery and and work towards the abolishment of slavery. And then Frederick writes his first autobiography. And at that point, he is now telling everybody, the whole United States, that oh, this is who I am. I'm Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey, not Frederick Douglass. And oh, by the way, I live in Massachusetts. So um, they decide that it's better for him to go away for a while. And, and so he goes to the British Isles. He leaves his wife and four children. He didn't have his fifth at that time and goes to Ireland. So I went Can to Ireland I... and interviewed... <laughs> I oh went my to gosh. Ireland and... <laughs> interviewed a woman who has a PhD in Frederick Douglass. Okay, who is she and what did she say? <laughs> um, her name is Ann Coughlin and she oh, she talked about so much. She talked about 
Oh, Daniel O'Connell. He was the biggest orator in the 19th century in Ireland. Um, he he fought for the Irish, uh, for their freedom, um, at least for representation, not necessarily for their freedom, but representation um, in the English Parliament. And um, Douglas goes to Ireland, and that's in 1845 when there is the biggest famine that had hit Ireland to date. Um, he is treated like a human being for the first time, um, allowed to, not allowed, he just would get on a, a train and, and, and was treated with respect. This, is, this, was, this was new to him. He'd never been treated like this huh. in the United States before. And then he goes to Scotland, and then he goes to England, and in England, two women decide, we're going to raise the money to buy his freedom. And they do. Oh, wow. That was a surprise twist there. <laughs> <laughs> and you spend several episodes of the podcast on your visit with Dr. Ann Coughlin. So this must have been just a wealth of information. Yes. And then I was um, then I was uh, fortunate enough to interview Celeste Marie Bernier, who is a world scholar on Frederick Douglass. She's written two books, one called If I Survive, um, which includes so many letters of the Douglass family to each other, because Frederick Douglass realized that he had to write his own narrative, and he taught his children how to be good writers. Um, and um, so that's a, a really fascinating book. And then she also wrote a book, um, co-authored it, called Picturing Frederick Douglass, um, because he was the most photographed American in the 19th century, you know, beyond beyond Lincoln, beyond um, uh, Custis, uh, General Custis. He he was the most photographed man, and he realized that the importance of photography, and he didn't smile in his photographs. He, because- None, not a one. No, because I, I'm, I'm representing my family, and my family has suffered, and so I am bearing witness to their suffering. I had no idea there was such a heavy motivation behind, because all of his pictures are so stoic. Carlisle, we're going to wrap things up time-wise. So if you want to learn more about Frederick Douglass, you can obviously read one of his three autobiographies. Tell us your website again, Carlisle. It's Carlisle, carlileschesapeake.com. And the name of the podcast is, can you tell me again? Uh, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's Fred, the Frederick Douglass uh, podcast series. Uh, and we have two more podcasts to go. I'll be interviewing Ken Morris, who is the great, great grandson of Frederick Douglass next month. And then I, I'm not sure about my closing one yet. It's just, it, it's too rich. <laughs> I can't. I know. I can't <laughs> like, so did you expect this to be fifteen podcasts? <laughs> um, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no vision. It just happened. Hmm. I am so glad you did. Thank you so much for spending your time with us this morning. You can always go to carlyleschesapeake.com. You can get the podcast via Apple Podcasts or whatever app you support. Carlisle, thank you again. I'm going to wind things down and close and say that this has been a production of Odyssey.